0: Last year, the Michigan Wolverines went on the road and beat the Ohio State Buckeyes 45-23, to but the prior week against Illinois, Michigan escaped the Illini at home as a heavy favorite in a 19-17 to point victory, with their best player being injured in Blake Corum, who was later out for the season, and Donovan Edwards, J.J. McCarthy, Cornelius Johnson and Mikey Sainer still carried the load in the game against Ohio State. A 45-23 to point beatdown. Case in point, even if Ohio State is the better team than Michigan this season, and they go into Ann Arbor and just beat and whip the Wolverines into submission, you cannot overlook Minnesota. Michigan was the far superior team to Illinois last season, But because they were preparing for Ohio State, because of certain matchups that went in Illinois' favor, and for a variety of other factors, including the fact that Illinois had the best defense in the country last season and were able to take care of Michigan's one-dimensional offense, it was a close matchup. So if you're Ohio State, Ryan Day, Kyle McCord, Marvin Harrison Jr., focus on... On this game, beating Michigan is important, but do not overlook the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Every, every game counts, and it's the same story for Michigan, like I said in my Michigan and Maryland preview and prediction video. You still have one more game left, Michigan and Ohio State, before you face off in what I think will once again be the most anticipated game of the year. How fitting for the game welcome back fellow football fanatics it's your host college football with sam before we dive any deeper into this video please give this video a like and if you have another account give the video a like there as well and subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so that we can grow to twenty thousand subscribers by the end of the 2023 college football season this is the number one big ten football channel on youtube we're proud to say that on here with College Football with Sam and you, the subscriber, the follower, the listener, the one who's engaged in comments down below, you help make this community awesome. So I want to thank you for the growth and for the awesome 2023 college football season that we have had so far. It feels like the season just started yesterday and that Minnesota and Nebraska were just kicking off on a Thursday night, but here we are. We're 10 games through, we only have two more games in the regular season, then championship week, Army-Navy to sort of preview the bowl season, and then we have the bowl season, the playoffs, and the national championship game. Comment your thoughts and analysis on this matchup down below, and subscribe to my Patreon channel via the link in the description, and via the pinned comment as well if that's easier for you to support the channel and gain some bonus content depending on your tier if you're an All-American or Heisman member. If you also want to support the channel and represent your school colors in the Big Ten, you can also check out my merchandise store via the link in the description and the pinned comment. But let's get back to business. If the Buckeyes overlook Minnesota, anything is possible. Outside of that, similarly to Michigan playing against Maryland, we know that Ohio State is the much better team than Minnesota in the same way that Michigan is the much better team than Maryland. Minnesota is coming off of a humiliating 30 to 49 point loss to Purdue on the road in which Minnesota, who typically has a vaunted, feared, aggressive Joe Rossi defense, allowed 353 rushing yards. Purdue rushed for eight yards per carry and four touchdowns. Hudson Card looked like The next coming of Joe Burrow with 251 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, a scrambling touchdown, and 44 rushing yards, Purdue just exploded. Really, the Boilermakers had a night like they did in 2018 against a Minnesota team who was never going to be as deep and as good as that 2018 Ohio State team. That win told me a few things. One, Ryan Walters has the entire locker room staff and program bought into what he wants to do. I think he's going to be successful long-term, and I said that in the preseason, but I thought that this year would be rough. They would go 5-7. and seven. They're still on track to going 5-7, and seven, by the way. Purdue has a road game against Northwestern this weekend, which will be tough, and a home game against Indiana. They could lose both of those games. They could win those games. They could split them. More importantly, what that game told me is you have no idea what you're going to get out of Minnesota. Minnesota, this season, held Nebraska to 10, Eastern Michigan to 6. They held North Carolina, a potent offense. Eastern Michigan and Nebraska don't have offenses to speak of. North Carolina has a solid offense, a great, near-elite offense when functioning at peak efficiency with offensive coordinator Chip Lindsey who could be a candidate for particularly Penn State's new OC job, or maybe Michigan State's, depending on who they hire and how big they want to go. But that's for a different video. Minnesota held them to 31. The Golden Gophers defense then collapsed against Northwestern, surrendering 37 points, including overtime. And ever since that Northwestern game, the defense has looked grotesque, if I say so myself, allowing... Again, 37 to Northwestern, 24 to Louisiana, 52 to Michigan. They held Iowa to 10, and Michigan State to 12, but those teams do not have offenses. They allowed 27 points to Illinois in a game that the Gophers were controlling relatively early. They led 17 to 14 at the half. They led 20 to 14 early in the third quarter, but Illinois had... Four passing touchdowns, four passing touchdowns on a secondary that has Justin Wally, Tyler Newbin, and great players in that secondary. And Minnesota, they just couldn't get the job done. Their secondary, their run defense, their defense overall has been suspect all season long. And then the... The bottom of the can or the the wet soggy cardboard box just completely falls apart, and Purdue blows them out, forty nine to thirty. At the same time, the Minnesota Golden Gophers, their offense has steadily improved. They scored twenty six against Illinois, thirty against Purdue, twenty seven against Michigan State, and they did manage to outgain Iowa in total yards and move that defense of Iowa, having over 200 yards, over 10 first downs, controlling the clock. They ran the ball for over 100 yards and passed for over 100, having a balanced attack against a great Iowa defense. So with Minnesota, you don't exactly know what you're going to get out of them. We just know that they're mediocre or maybe above average at best, and they're pretty trash and terrible, much like the entire Big Ten West at their worst. For Ohio State, it's, of course, much more complicated than that and not nearly as disastrous or I want to peel out my eyes when talking about the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Ohio State Buckeyes, at worst, are frustrating to watch if you're an Ohio State fan or if you're someone like me who loves Ryan Day's offense in its 2021 2022 and even 2020 and 2019 form and you look at this offense and you think to yourself what are they doing either Kyle McCord he's inaccurate at times the offensive line falls apart Ryan Day is forcing the run when Henderson is typically at his best when the pass is opening up the run and he isn't being force-fed carries and he gets to stay healthy and have stamina and then there are other moments where Marvin Harrison Jr. takes over the game Kyle McCord is throwing dots across the field, and there's explosiveness everywhere, and the offensive line functions well. So what's fascinating about this matchup is Minnesota could show up and play their best game of the season, and it wouldn't necessarily be surprising if Ohio State played one of their worst games of the season, because both of these teams haven't necessarily been consistent all season long. Oregon's been consistent and ruthlessly efficient. Same with Michigan. That's why I have them as my top two teams. Michigan at one, Oregon at two. Washington has been consistent. They've had some down moments, but they're consistently winning. They consistently win via their passing attack, and they've really only had one off game where their defense somehow won them. Their matchup against Arizona State and their offense looked horrible. Georgia has been consistent. They have had problems stopping the run all season long. Their passing attack is great with or without Brock Bowers, and their pass defense is elite. For Ohio State, they've been consistent defensively. They've had an elite defense all season. There are some times, though, where you can run on that defense, although I think mostly that's due to conservative play calling. The offense is either hot or cold. Typically cold in the first half, hot in the second half, but We have seen times where that's just not the case. Like against Michigan State, the offense was hot right out of the gate. In the second half, it was cooler, and Ryan Day didn't want to risk any injuries, wants to rest his team, get them healthy. So pulled the plug, put in some backups, Lincoln Kineholes. true freshman, got some game action. So the matchup here I think is fascinating because We know that Ohio State is going to throw everything they can at Michigan. And whether Michigan was overlooking Illinois last year or not, it's safe to say they didn't play their best game against Illinois, and it's safe to say that the staff probably intentionally saved some juice of the team for the Buckeyes, because they have to travel on the road, they're going to be an underdog, and it's a very hostile environment. And I think for Ohio State, they are going to want to save some of that sizzle, some of that stakes, some of the energy, and some of the decision fatigue. They're going to want to play a simple game here, much like Michigan against Maryland, and you can't afford to overlook anyone. That's a cardinal sin in college football. And we've seen games like Tennessee against South Carolina last year where the players for Tennessee literally said after that game, oh, we thought we were just going to roll in and win. Well, jeez, that's funny. And then you watch Spencer Rattler just tear apart your pathetic defense. Anyways, I digress. Minnesota is 5-5, five and five, Ohio State's 10-0. and 0. The Buckeyes are number two in football power index. Minnesota is 61st. The line on this game is Ohio State minus 27.5. The Buckeyes are given a 97.1% chance to win. And Ohio State, according to football power index, If you subtract Minnesota's value from Ohio State's and give Ohio State three points for home field advantage, which is about typical of home field advantage point values in college football, Ohio State should be favored by 30 points. I think that what's baked into the Vegas line that a computer like FPI couldn't necessarily calculate, or maybe it could calculate, but it would be experimental to say the least is the fact that Ohio State has a big game ahead of them, and there is a chance that they look past the Golden Gophers in the same way that Michigan, they're only favored by 19 and a half on the road or 19 against Maryland. Maryland's not that much better than Minnesota. I'd say that Maryland has a higher ceiling, or at least they have a much higher floor. I mean, allowing Purdue to blow you out like that just like Illinois did earlier in the season, it's humiliating. Yes, Purdue has a very high ceiling when they're hot, especially on offense, but nonetheless, a full eight-point difference in two teams that aren't really that different, and it's just Michigan's playing on the road and Ohio State is playing at home. Though in Michigan's number, it's also factored in that Jim Harbaugh probably won't coach against the Terrapins, and you don't know what'll happen there. But the buckeyes are a big favorite rightfully so in my community poll which by the way i mentioned this in a joking way in my washington and oregon state video remember in 2020 when everyone was saying get out and vote we don't care who you vote for it's the same thing here subscribe to this channel click the notification bell and my polls as a result asking you who who do you think wins you know x game this week whether it's minnesota ohio state or Michigan, Maryland. I don't care if you picked Minnesota or Maryland to pull an upset. It's possible. You'll look like a genius if you get it right. Vote. Just go and vote on my community polls because your vote matters. It's included in here. And a larger sample size gives me a better chance to peer into my subscriber pool, which I hope includes you at this point, and see what you all are thinking about this game. Obviously, the majority of you are picking Ohio State to win. 85% of you, about 2,320. However, there is a chunk of people out there who are picking Minnesota to pull off the upset. About 15% of you were around 380, to be exact. What I'm curious about in this matchup is the run game. Can Ohio State run on Minnesota? Because we know from Minnesota facing off against Illinois from them facing off against Michigan, everyone has been able to pass on Minnesota. Even with Minnesota having 11 interceptions, 9 forced fumbles, 22 sacks, which statistically is decent for a Minnesota defense, but you look into the intangibles and you look into the little things, like tackling and coverage, everyone's been able to pass on Minnesota. The question is, will Ohio State be able to run on Minnesota? I know that Minnesota's defense overall isn't phenomenal, but Ohio State's rushing attack's been questionable. The reason why their average yards per carry is going up is because of Henderson's big runs. Henderson either gets short gains, maybe some medium gains, and then he'll, he'll pop a big gain, and that's a big part of the rushing attack. The ground game still hasn't been a consistent factor. I would say, and against Michigan State to a certain degree it was, but then again, Michigan State's defensive line was able to push around Ohio State's offensive line. The problem is Henderson just had too much speed for Michigan State, and I think Minnesota has a faster, more athletic defense than the Spartans do. They're just—I don't know if they're even as sound or if Minnesota— Michigan State and Minnesota, their defenses are both bad, The point that I'm trying to make is, can Minnesota force Ohio State to maybe be one-dimensional and force some mistakes from Kyle McCord? And then on the other side, can Minnesota run the football? And we've seen against Rutgers. We even saw against Notre Dame and Maryland and at Penn State for about a quarter Teams have been able to take advantage of Ohio State simply sending four men forward and not stacking the box a whole lot to prevent big passing plays. And teams have been able to take advantage of that through the ground game. And Minnesota has a good offensive line. Jordan Newbin is a running back who can get 30 to 40 carries per game and average three or four yards per pop. And Ethan kaliak Manis is decently mobile. So I'm curious about the ground games between these two schools and how they'll match up with the opposing run defenses. Ohio State is obviously a big favorite, as they should be. It would be asinine for Minnesota to be anything less than a 20, I'd say a 27, 26, 28 point underdog, and they're right there. So The world is picking Ohio State to win. I think everyone in college football knows that Ohio State has the deeper roster. I think Minnesota's sole position advantage is the offensive line. And then again, Ohio State has the more explosive run game. They have the better passing game. So you're not going to see those statistics deeply reflected in Minnesota's passing offense or rushing offense in particular. Ohio State's averaging 4.1 yards per carry. Minnesota is averaging 4 yards per carry. And both have allowed 17 sacks. Both have allowed 17 sacks. I think that Minnesota slightly has the better offensive line. I trust Minnesota's guards and interior offensive line to help open up the run. than I do Ohio State's interior offensive line. And I trust Minnesota's tackles especially more to protect Ethan Kaliak-Manus than I trust Ohio State's tackles, Josh Fryer and Josh Simmons, to protect Kyle McCord. I will say, though, that Kyle McCord, he's much more elusive and aware in the pocket, so he has saved himself from getting sacked quite a few times compared to Ethan Kaliak-Manus, who often goes out there and he has talent, but he looks like a deer in the headlights. I was high on P.J. Fleck to begin the season, and I thought Minnesota would be a top-20 team this year and contend for the West in spite of a tough schedule that featured both Michigan, Ohio State, a road game at Iowa, matchup against a Michigan State team who I thought would perform better. But then again, a scandal happened with Michigan State, so to a certain degree, that prediction, while wrong, is forgiven. But nonetheless, my prediction on Minnesota has been an absolute disaster. I thought that right now they'd only have two losses, and they'd have a chance if they just stuck with the record that I thought they would earn, that they would have a shot right now. In fact, they would be one place, or they'd be tied right now, with my projected preseason record up to this point with Iowa for first, and they'd have that tiebreaker. They'd only have two conference losses. I predicted they would lose two. Michigan and Illinois, and you factor in losses to Northwestern, you factor in a loss to North Carolina, who's non-conference, but then you factor in a loss to Purdue. Just horrible. My faith in P.J. Fleck has been turned down a little bit. I don't know what's going on with their defense, their offense, despite the fact that they used the portal well, and I think gave Ethan kaliak a great stable of receivers, the tight end position has fallen back, and kaliak Manis is much worse than I expected. His supporting cast, no matter how good they are, he can't help them. That's how bad of a quarterback he is. So when it comes to staff, I trust Jim Knowles more than I do Joe Rossi, and I trust Brian Hartline and Ryan Day more than Greg Harbaugh Jr. and Matt Simon, and I trust Ryan Day as a CEO more than I do P.J. Fleck. And I think that in spite of the fact that Minnesota typically has a great strength and conditioning program, with how they've lacked physicality this season, I would give Ohio State the edge at strength and conditioning as well. So I think staff goes to the Buckeyes. Quarterback obviously goes to the Buckeyes. Kaliak Manis has a 117.7 passer rating and only 1,582 passing yards with 13 passing touchdowns and 7 interceptions. And Kyle McCord has had 2,687 passing yards 20 passing touchdowns, 4 interceptions, and a 164.8 passer rating. At running back, Travion Henderson and Chip Trainham and Xavier Johnson and Evan Pryor are right now active in that backfield as well. The Buckeyes are running for 4.1 yards per carry, and they have 17 rushing touchdowns. Minnesota, again, is running for 4 yards per carry, and they only have 10 rushing touchdowns. Henderson leads the team with 648 rushing yards. He's averaging 6.3 yards per carry, and he has eight rushing touchdowns. I expect him through the game against Minnesota, the game against Michigan, and whether it's the Big Ten championship game, bowl game, college football playoff run, I think that he will break 1,000 rushing yards or at least get very close despite sitting out a few games to mend an injury of his. Great player. One of the best running backs in the country right now. It's a shame that he got injured earlier in the season. Otherwise, right now, he might already have a 1,000 rushing yards and be in the running for the Doak Walker Award. It's also sad that Jonathan Brooks got injured. He was probably going to win that award if he didn't get hurt with, I think he tore his ACL and is out for the season, sadly. So be praying for him to have a speedy recovery. For Minnesota, it's a similar story. I hope that Darius Taylor is healthy and... Right now, it's Jordan Newbin at running back, who has 81 carries for 393 yards. He has two rushing touchdowns. Taylor, I, I don't know if he's out for the season, but he's been out for quite a few games for now, so I'd assume that he's done for the rest of the season, but I don't exactly know there that I would give running back to Ohio State. Tight end, I think I'd obviously give to Ohio State. Brevin Spanford and Nick Calarip have been incredibly disappointing. Spanford is 226 receiving yards and two receiving touchdowns. And Nick Calarup only has two receptions for nine yards. Meanwhile, Cade Stover, 508 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns. G. Scott Jr. is a receiving touchdown. And Jelani Thurman saw action against Michigan State. And he he's going to be a future All-Big Ten tight end as long as the staff can utilize and train him well. He has all the tools of athleticism to be a great tight end. Wide receiver is so intriguing, though, between Minnesota and Ohio State. Obviously, I would be insane to say that Minnesota has the better wide receiver room. They don't. Ohio State is Marvin Harrison Jr., who's the first Buckeye wide receiver to record back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. He has 1,063 receiving yards, and he's averaging 18 yards per reception, and he has 12 receiving touchdowns. Last season, Marvin Harrison Jr., in his whole season, had 77 receptions for 1,263 receiving yards and 14 receiving touchdowns. He'll probably pass last year's numbers in terms of receiving yards and touchdowns. In terms of receptions total, I don't know, but that wouldn't surprise me either. He deserves to be in the Heisman Trophy conversation, and behind him are Emeka Igbuka, Carnell Tate, and Julian Fleming, who all have more than 200 receiving yards. Minnesota, though. They have Daniel Jackson, they have Corey Crooms, they have Chris Saltman bell and Lemeke Brockington and Elijah Spencer. Daniel Jackson has 681 receiving yards, he's averaging 15.1 yards per reception, and he has seven receiving touchdowns. He is a great wide receiver, he's recorded three games where he's had 100 or more receiving yards, and in six games, he's had at least one receiving touchdown or more. So I look at Daniel Jackson, and I think that I think he's a great wide receiver. Is he Marvin Harrison junior level? No, but senior, six foot, 200 pounds. Is, is just a beautiful ability to bring in the football. He's a great possession guy, nearly 700 receiving yards. He could be a problem in this game. and Ohio State secondary is phenomenal. But unfortunately, Lathan Ransom is out for the season. Let's hope that he has a speedy recovery and is healthy. He's likely an NFL draft pick, so he probably won't return next year. I don't know if he even has eligibility to return next year. And Ohio State has had some defensive players who've had nagging injuries as well. So Daniel Jackson could have an opportunity to shine in this game. However, I think the Buckeyes have the better special teams unit than Minnesota does, and I think they have the much better defense as well, particularly at the defensive line. Minnesota in their secondary has this really high upside with the players they have. Tyler Newbin, Darius Green, Jack Henderson, Justin Wally. But then they also have this incredibly low floor there as well. Ohio State has the high ceiling. They also have an incredibly high floor there. They have six interceptions, three returned for six, 46 passes defended, Right now, Josh Proctor has one interception, returned for six, and he has seven passes deflected and 35 total tackles. Him and Denzel Burke are playing out of their mind at an All-American level. And Davison and Igbenosin, Jordan Hancock, Jermaine Matthews Jr., they're also playing at an All-Big Ten, All-American level. This corner room and safety with Josh Proctor is incredible, to say the least. I would take them over Minnesota they have 46 total passes defended. The Buckeyes defensively have seven forced fumbles, 19 sacks. Their leader in sacks is G.T. Tuimolaou with four. He has two passes defended and 28 total tackles. Tyleek Williams, he has three total sacks. Jack Sawyer has one and a half sacks. Sony Styles, safety, two sacks, 40 total tackles, a pass defended. He is built like a linebacker with the speed of a high-twitch, explosive wide receiver. He is nuts, and he's only going to get better from here on out because he's going to be back next season. He'll probably be an All-American next season. Sony Styles will be. And at linebacker for the Buckeyes, Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers. Great duo of linebackers, and don't forget about Cody Simon as well, who gets significant playing time there too. For Minnesota, their leader in sacks is Danny Strigo with six sacks, 41 total tackles, and a forced fumble. Jod Joyner, Kyler Baugh, and Jalen logan Redding also have more than one sack. On the season, Minnesota has 22 total sacks, so Minnesota has a higher sack total than Ohio State. I never thought I would see that happening, but Ohio State's defense doesn't allow big plays. Minnesota's defense allows multiple big plays every season. Game. And in saying that, I think that that makes Marvin Harrison Jr. the player to watch. They could intentionally force feed him the ball to, I don't think they'll do this, but it could happen to pump up his Heisman numbers. And even if it's not intentional, that could go on. I could see Marvin Harrison Jr. have three 50 plus yard receiving touchdowns. That's a reality against this Minnesota defense. And if Ohio State, wants to win, and they want to win big, feed the football to Marvin Harrison Jr., because I doubt Minnesota will be able to cover him. Out of all teams, no team in college football can cover Marvin Harrison Jr. for the whole game. I think Minnesota in particular is one of the worst Big Ten teams when it comes to defending big plays through the air, so I'd expect Ohio State to take advantage of that. I think that Marvin Harrison Jr., if he has a big game here, and I expect him to be the best wide receiver that Michigan has faced all season and perform the best against them even in Ann Arbor in likely snowy conditions. I think that he will reach the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I don't think he'll win the award. I think that would require that would require him single-handedly beating Michigan. I think Jaden Daniels and I might make a video about this tomorrow. Or maybe after this weekend, I think Jaden Daniels should outright win the award at quarterback. But that's a different story. Marvin Harrison Jr., future first-round NFL draft pick, great man, great leader, hard worker, extremely humble, friendly. You cannot help but root for him. You can't. Amazing wide receiver. He's the player to watch. Other players to watch for Ohio State, I'd say JT Molau. He could take advantage of Ethan kaliak Manis's deer-in-the-headlights moment. Maybe he can get a pick-six, fumble recovery for six, or get a few sacks. I think offensively, again, going back to big plays, maybe it's all Travion Henderson and Chip Traynham, and Ohio State just wants to chew the clock, get some experience in going run-heavy and controlling the game, so that maybe they can do that a little bit against Michigan, and they want to get out of there and make it a business trip. So those are some other players to watch for the Buckeyes. For Minnesota, it's all about... Jordan Newbin, running back for the Golden Gophers. What if Jordan Newbin can run consistently for five to 10 yards per carry behind a Minnesota offensive line? That's great. That's underrated due to injuries at running back and inexperience at quarterback. And what if Ohio State continues to play a conservative game for the entire 60 minutes and Minnesota can get a few field goals, maybe a touchdown, maybe two touchdowns, and then when Ohio State decides to go aggressive, maybe Minnesota can draw up a pass play or a play action, and Daniel Jackson can make magic and catch some kind of unreal or make some kind of unreal catch in the end zone, and then you make Ohio State's defense uncomfortable. And With Jordan Newbin and Minnesota's ground attack, if it's playing their A game, they can control the clock. They can dictate this game. Not necessarily at will because they don't have Ohio State's talent, and really in these games it's only a matter of time before Ohio State at least makes this competitive if they're sleepwalking. Like last year, in the analogy at the beginning of the season, Michigan eventually woke up, and they had to crawl back to victory. They nearly lost, but Money Moody won them the game. If you're Minnesota, you want to to do what Illinois did to Michigan last season, which I don't think there's the same matchup potential there, but it's possible. Ohio State this season has not looked as crisp as Michigan did last year. Michigan last year looked like in unstoppable force in the middle and later part of the season in the second half. Ohio State has been more consistent than Michigan last year. They haven't had the same early defensive gaffes like Michigan did against Maryland or against Illinois or against Rutgers, but they haven't had that same dominant controlling offense. Their offense has been rather hit and miss, pretty boom or bust. And very much relies on Marvin Harrison Jr., Travion Henderson, and a healthy Cade Stover to function. So if Minnesota can control this game and control the clock, that will go a long way into helping them potentially come out with the path to victory. But I don't see that happening. I see Ohio State barely covering the spread. I think that any more than a 30-point favor for Ohio State would be too much. I think that the Buckeyes win by anywhere from really 27 to 31 points is what I see Ohio State's victory being. I do think they're going to save a lot of gas in the tank for Michigan. I think that this game will be close for a half. Ohio State pulls away in the second half. The Buckeyes will pass for 250 or more yards. They'll run successfully for run 150 or more. The Golden Gophers will run the football for more than 100 yards. They'll control clock, they'll abuse Ohio State's conservative defense rather early. Eventually, the magic trick will be up, and Ohio State will come out, destroy Minnesota, cover the spread, and they'll be 11-0, like the Michigan Wolverines entering the game. Consequentially, Ohio State will be fighting for whether their season, it's actually not just Ohio State, correct me, both teams will be fighting for whether their season is an absolute failure or not. The following Saturday. If Ohio State loses to Michigan, unless they can get back to the national championship or get to the playoffs, win the semifinal and win the national title, their season is an absolute failure. I think that Ohio State will reach the college football playoff. I've reverted back to my preseason prediction because I think Florida State is just awful, and I think Louisville's physicality or Florida at night will expose them. I also think that Oregon State will beat Washington, which means that the loser of the Pac-12 championship game is definitely out of the playoff conversation. So I think there will be enough chaos to where Ohio State could back their way into the college football playoff, but you can't bet on that. And that's a very, very, very risky. It's a very risky take of mine. It's close to a hot take. I don't exactly think it's a hot take, but it's a bold opinion, a bold prediction of mine that the loser of the game will have enough chaos going into their favor to where they'll back in as the fourth seed of the college football playoff yet again. Whether it is Michigan or Ohio State, I think enough chaos will happen to where the loser of the game backs their way in. But Ohio State will be fighting for their season to be a success, Saturday against Michigan. Minnesota, if they lose to Wisconsin and they lose this game, they're not going bowling. And then your season is an abject failure winning this game, or more realistically beating Wisconsin, that can partially salvage the season and get some momentum in either a big road win or a rivalry win entering into the 2024 season, which will be big for Minnesota. It'll be big for the whole Big Ten because of the additions of Washington, Oregon, USC, UCLA. New TV deal, tougher schedules, no divisions, I really want that four-team Big Ten Championship playoff format so we can have four teams contend for the Big Ten title rather than just two out of 18. That way, maybe we can get a Cinderella story or some late-season redemption. I don't know, just my thoughts. But Ohio State comes out of this game with a 38-10 win. Thank you all so much for watching this video. I want to give a shout-out to my patrons, Crash2488, Anthony McDowell, Justin Rogg, Spencer Bringhurst, Noah DLC, SFS Inverted, and Will Loftus, Gabriel Calendar, Roaming Gnome, Matthew Sale, Chris Lane, Austin Christmas, and Zubin Zah. Thank you all for sponsoring this channel. If you want to get bonus content and support the channel, sign up as an All-American or Heisman patron. If you just want to support the channel and have your name featured at the end of the video, that's no problem either. It's only $5 a month. You can join as the All-Conference patron member. Have a phenomenal day, guys, and I will see you all around. Bye-bye.